Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Mr. Wolf Pie by R.A. Spratt. Peter, Luke and Lucy were three lovely children, and their parents were good, hardworking people. But there comes a point in every school holidays when even the nicest child will start to drive even the kindest parent mad. No matter how much a parent loves their child, there is a limit to how many snacks they can fix before they want to tear their hair out and scream, For goodness sake, can I just have a moment of peace without someone asking me to fetch a sayo cracker? You have probably heard your own parents say something similar. It's at this point that any sensible parent takes action and arranges for their sweet angels to spend a few days with their grandmother. Peter, Lucy and Luke did not mind this at all. They loved being sent to Granny's house. Granny had no limits on the consumption of chocolate, no qualms about letting them use her power tools, and she absolutely insisted that they spend hours watching reality TV with her because she thoroughly enjoyed watching regular people humiliate themselves on national television. But the best thing about Granny was her stories. Every night before bed, they would snuggle around her on the sofa and she would tell them a tale. I want to tell you a story about three very dear friends of mine, began Grandmother, on the first night of their visit. Nathan, Gerald and Sophie. She dabbed a tear away from her eye. Why are you crying, Grandmother? asked Peter. I can't tell you, it would ruin the story, said Grandmother. Is it a sad story? asked Luke. In parts, admitted Grandmother, when I think of how those poor pigs suffered. Grandmother said no more, she just sniffed. The story's about pigs, asked Lucy. That's what I said, said Grandmother, Nathan, Gerald and Sophie. You didn't say they were pigs, said Peter. I don't know why you would assume they weren't pigs, said Grandmother. My story's about three young people who just happened to be pigs, whose cruel mother forced them to go out and find their own places to live. She made them leave home when they were just children, asked Lucy. No, they were in their early thirties, said Grandmother, but it's cruel to force a child to leave home when you're good at cooking. If you can make a caramel basket as delicious as the ones my friend Madge whipped up, you can understand why it's cruel to expect her children to go and live anywhere else. But still, you don't get to be that good at caramelising sugar without hardening your heart. So one day, after being given two months' notice and plenty of money to pay for a rental bond each, Madge forced her children heartlessly into the street. If they had money for a rental bond, what was the problem, asked Peter. Why didn't they just rent a flat? Because they were pigs, said Grandmother, as though that explained everything. The children looked confused. They took the bond money straight around to the sweet shop, spent it all on lollies, and sat on the gutter outside the shop, eating them all afternoon, explained Grandmother. That's appalling, said Lucy. I know, said Grandmother. It's all very well to sit in the gutter if you want to weep in despair, or if your shoes are dirty and you need to wash them off in rainwater. But if you're going to eat lollies, it's much better to sit underneath a bush. Then you're much less likely to be interrupted by someone wanting to share with you. No, I mean, it's appalling for them to spend all the rent money on lollies, said Lucy. Now, Grandmother looked confused. But what else could they do? If you're going to be homeless, it's important to be well fed. Lucy was about to argue further, but Peter touched her hand and shook his head ever so slightly. There was no way Grandmother would ever see reason in an argument against eating dangerously huge amounts of sugary foods. 
So, having had a lovely little snack, and the three young pigs set off to find somewhere to live, continued Grandmother. Of course, they could not live together. Why not, asked Luke. Because they were brothers and sisters, said Grandmother. So naturally, they fought terribly. But we're brothers and sisters, said Peter, and we don't fight terribly. Yes, but that is because you have my mature guiding influence, said Grandmother. You get into fights all the time, Luke pointed out. Exactly, said Grandmother, which saves you having to fight, which is why you can get along so peaceably together. Anyway, Nathan, Gerald and Sophie were not as lucky as you. They bickered. So as they set off down the road, they were looking for three separate places to live. Let me guess, said Peter. Nathan built a house of straw. How did you know? asked Grandmother, taken aback. I've heard a similar story before, admitted Peter. Well, you haven't got it quite right, said Grandmother. He didn't build his house of straw. He built it of drinking straws. What? said Luke, rudely, because as you know, you should always say, I beg your pardon. But he was so shocked, he forgot his manners. You see, Nathan could not afford to buy any straw, being penniless, but he could afford to go around all the fast food establishments, milk bars and sandwich shops in town, and when nobody was looking, take three or four straws from their dispensers. It took him several months, but eventually he had enough drinking straws to build a two-bedroom bungalow with a rumpus room and an entertaining deck, said Grandmother. He built an entire house out of drinking straws, marvelled Peter. Yes, it was jolly good fun, actually, said Grandmother. True, they did crackle a bit underfoot as you walked about, but you could run and bounce into the walls like a bouncy castle, and the walls were made with bending straws, so you could lower the ceiling when you needed to change a light bulb. Grandmother stopped at this point and started eating cake. Aren't you going to tell us the rest of the story, asked Lucy. What was wrong with that one, asked Grandmother. It had a happy ending and taught you an important lesson about recycling and using sustainable materials to build a dwelling. Technically, I don't think it is recycling unless the straws have been used for drinking first, said Luke. Well, that would have been disgustingly unhygienic, said Grandmother. But what about Gerald and Sophie, asked Lucy. You want to know about them too, asked Grandmother. Yes, said all three children. This was by far the most intriguing version of the three little pigs they'd ever heard. Gerald was not as good at lateral thinking as his brother or sister, so as he walked along the road it did not occur to him to use drinking straws, drinking cups or any other disposable beverage aid to build a house. Night fell and he had nowhere to stay, said Grandmother. That's terrible, said Lucy. Not really, disagreed Grandmother. It was summer and therefore a warm night. He just lay down under a tree, took the lolly wrappers out of his pockets and sprinkled them all over himself as a makeshift blanket and fell asleep quite happily. So he didn't build a house, asked Luke. Oh, yes, he did, said Grandmother, because the next morning Mother Nature had given him a brilliant idea. Mother Nature, asked Luke. Yes, when he woke up in the morning, a branch had fallen on him, said Grandmother. He was covered in sticks. And that gave him the idea to make a house out of sticks, guessed Peter. No, said Grandmother, although now you mention it, that's not a bad idea. No, it gave him the idea to make a house of matchsticks. What, said all three children. But how, asked Lucy, totally baffled. He was a natural scavenger, like his brother, explained Grandmother, so he went around to bars and restaurants anywhere that gave away free matchboxes. It must have taken him forever to build a house out of all those teeny tiny sticks, marvelled Peter. Oh yes, agreed Grandmother, and an absolute ocean of model glue too. How could he afford to buy the glue, asked Lucy. He got lucky there, admitted Grandmother. A glue truck crashed at the end of his street, so he was able to scavenge vats and vats full, and that's how he built his house of matchsticks. So how did Sophie build her house, asked Luke. Aha, said Grandmother. She was a far more sensible pig than her brothers, and she had something of her mother's genius for desserts. So she did not build her house of drinking straws or matchsticks. She built her house entirely out of chocolate. 
Wow, said all three children. But surely it would melt, said Peter. You said it was summer. She had huge outdoor air conditioners set up to blast cold air at the house, explained Grandmother, and a giant parasol overhead to block the sunlight. But where did she get the chocolate from if she didn't have any money, asked Lucy. Pillow mints, said Grandmother. Pillow mints, said the children. Yes, if you stay in a fancy hotel, they often put a chocolate mint on your pillow when they make your bed, said Grandmother. It's to encourage tooth decay by luring you into eating chocolate after you brush your teeth. But how did she get enough pillow mints to build a house, asked Luke. By going through the trash, of course, said Grandmother. I know it's hard to believe, but some people who stay in fancy hotels, people like dentists, diabetics and dieters, they do not eat their pillow mints. And they throw them away, asked Peter. They do, concurred Grandmother. Shocking, isn't it? So by going around all the hotels in the city and gathering up all the unwanted pillow mints, Sophie was able to get enough chocolate to build her home. And what happened next, asked Lucy. Isn't that enough, asked Grandmother. I tell you three extraordinary stories of pigs exhibiting unparalleled resourcefulness and architectural ingenuity, and you want more? But what happened to the house, asked Peter. Wasn't there a wolf? No, said Grandmother. Whatever gave you that idea? So all three houses are still standing, asked Luke. No one blew them down? Oh, I didn't say that, said Grandmother. There was a wicked butcher called Mr. Wolf. Was he a wolf, asked Lucy. No, said Grandmother. Whatever would make you think that? He was a human called Wolf. Do I need to slow down and write out some notes for you because you're finding it hard to follow? No, just keep telling the story, pleaded Peter. Well, this wicked butcher was too cheap and mean to actually pay for meat, said Grandmother. He would never buy beef, lamb or pork from a farmer. He would scavenge for meat. But how do you scavenge for beef, asked Peter. You don't find cows lying around about the place. Exactly, said Grandmother. He would pick up possums and cats and pigeons that had been hit by cars and were lying dead on the side of the road, take them back to his shop, cut them up and stick them under signs saying that they were beef or pork or lamb. That's dreadful, exclaimed Lucy. But how did he get away with it, asked Peter. Possum or cat wouldn't taste like lamb or beef. It would if you covered it in peanut sauce and called it a satay stick, declared Grandmother. The children gasped. That's right, continued Grandmother. You should always be sure of the motives of your butcher before you buy any of his pre-prepared, ready-sourced foods. I think I'm going to be sick, said Peter. So you can just imagine what such a wicked man thought when he heard that there were three young pigs living alone in the woods, said Grandmother. He thought he could sell them some cat meat, guessed Luke. No, silly, said Peter. He wanted to chop them up. He did indeed, declared Grandmother. He picked up his sharpest butcher knife and set off into the woods. It was not long before he came to the house of straws. Did he knock on the door, asked Luke. He did, said Grandmother. But it didn't make much noise when you knock on a door made out of straws. So he had to yell, little pig, little pig, open the door. I'll knock it down by force. And Nathan replied, never. I won't let you chop me up and cover me in sweet and sour sauce. Well, as you can imagine, a fully grown butcher with a very sharp knife was never going to be delayed for long by a door made out of drinking straws. The special in his butcher shop that week was pork in plum sauce, said Grandmother. That's dreadful, exclaimed Lucy. I know, agreed Grandmother, and the customers so enjoyed eating actual pork that he soon sold out. So the butcher went back into the woods in search of the second pig. I don't like the way this is going, said Luke. He soon came to the house of matchsticks, said Grandmother. But again, the little pig refused to let him in. So did he hack the door down with his meat cleaver, asked Peter. 
He tried, said Grandmother, but the second pig was actually quite a gifted model maker. He'd used so much glue that when the butcher made his first hack, the knife got stuck in the door and he couldn't pull it out. So the little pig was saved, asked Lucy. He would have been, said Grandmother, but unfortunately the butcher was so frustrated he stamped and stomped on the ground. Then he kicked at the dirt and inadvertently kicked a stone at the house. The stone was made of flint and when it hit the house it caused a spark. Oh dear, said Peter, guessing what was coming next. When you make a house of matchsticks and highly flammable hobby glue, you don't want sparks coming anywhere near your home, said Grandmother. The butcher had Cajun pork on special that week. When all the slightly burnt pork was sold, the butcher set off into the woods in search of the third pig. And that is when he came to the house of chocolate, said Grandmother. And he couldn't get in because the house was so well made, guessed Luke. No, the third little pig invited him in, said Grandmother. Little pig, little pig, let me come in, cried the butcher. And surprisingly, Sophie replied, Sure, but I've lost my key to the front door, so you'll have to eat your way in. The butcher enjoyed chocolate as much as the next person, so he put down his knife and started chomping, said Grandmother. Little did he know that Sophie was a deeply sensible pig. Her front door was not like a common house door, which is only two inches thick. She had made her solid chocolate door two feet thick. So the butcher ate and ate and ate. But he had to eat 50 kilos of chocolate before he broke through and another 90 kilos of chocolate before there was a hole big enough for him to climb through. And by that time, he'd eaten 140 kilos of chocolate. He wasn't capable of climbing anywhere. He just lay on the ground moaning. Is that the end of the story, asked Lucy. Pretty much, said Grandmother. So the butcher learned his lesson, guessed Peter, and never troubled Sophie again. In a way, agreed Grandmother. While Sophie had enjoyed a lifetime of bickering and fighting with her brothers, she did still love them, so she was not going to let the butcher off that easily. So what happened, asked Luke. Sophie decided she would run the butcher shop, said Grandmother, and that week's special was Mr Wolf Pie. All the customers assumed that Mr Wolf had made the pie. Little did they realise that he had been made into the pie. The children stared at Grandmother in stunned silence. And so Sophie lived happily ever after, and to this day she runs the best vegetarian butcher shop in all the land. The end, said Grandmother. Now time for bed. Thank you for listening. To support this podcast, just go to your local bookshop or favourite online bookseller and buy a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's plenty to choose from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.